Okay, good morning. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lav, Lev, Lamad Bez, in Masechet's Pesachim, but we fell behind. We are only 11 lines down from the top of Lamad Aleph, Lamad Bez, and today, God willing, we'll do some catching up. We, we want to finish the day of saying that we're lines from the bottom of Lamad Bez, Lamad Bez. So let's see. Um, when we finished off, just finishing off one uh, topic before we get to the middle of the page, and then we get to miscellaneous topics, we were talking about the Picadon. We were saying that if a Jew has the, right, the Picadon, if the Jew has um, the Picadon of, a, of another Jew, so then, then, he ha- then he can, in fact, say that he owns that Picadon. In other words, the question we had yesterday was, um, not to get all the way deep, but when somebody has collateral, in somebody else's possession, is it as if the lender owns the collateral or is, or is the borrower still holding on to his collateral? So we said all of this discussion really only has to do with Jew on Jew, where it, whereas when a lender is a non-Jew, we certainly say that he does not own the collateral, okay? We were, we were questioning whether if a Jew lends to a non-Jew, is it that the Jew still owns the collateral even though he had lent to a non-Jew? But certainly, if a non-Jew lent to a Jew, he does not own the collateral. That's where we left off. That idea that a non-Jew cannot own the collateral is against, seemingly, our Mishnah, because you might recall, in our Mishnah we had a Jew and a non-Jew and the chametz in between them, and we learned it in both directions. And we basically learned that wherever, right, the chametz is, we learned like Abaye, Lamafreya, right, that, that whoever the lender is, it's as if he owns the collateral, such that if the um, lender was a non-Jew, it's as if the non-Jew owns the collateral and there would be no problem of chametz she'avar lava pesach. Because Chamesh Yavar Pesach, if it's in the possession of a non-Jew, is okay. And that becomes the question that we ask 11 lines from the top of Lamed Alpham Beis as follows. Here we go. Tanan. We learned in our Mishnah. So that's the case, right? The, the non-Jew lent the Jew money uh, with the Chamesh as collateral. And sure enough, our Mishnah said, this is a quote of our Mishnah, that that is not going to have an issue of Chamesh Yavar Pesach. It's going to be after Pesach. Says the Gemara, Now granted we know that the, the Mishnah is talking about a case where in fact the Chametz is physically in the possession of the non-Jew. That's true. But still, that doesn't explain the, uh, the din in our Mishnah. Because after all, we said that a non-Jew does not does not acquire the security, right? The, the non-Jew, when it comes to collateral, has no rights to that collateral um, during during the time that for, of the transaction, so then if the nachri has no rights to the collateral, then it's as if that collateral, which in this case is that chametz, belonged to the Jew all along, and therefore there should be a violation of chametz she'avar lava pesach. Says the Gemara lo kasher. This is not. Uh, we're going to resolve this difficulty as follows. This is a unique case. Our Mishnah is talking to a unique case where the Jew, and who in this case was the borrower, explicitly said to the non-Jew when he deposited the chametz with the non-Jew, he, he explicitly said that from the time, right, if I default on this loan, this chametz is going to be yours retroactively to now, to the time of the transaction. Um, right, so then, you might ask what the Chiddush of the Mishnah is, 
Okay? But the Cheresh of the Mishnah perhaps is that once he says, Me'achshav, so then it is in fact considered, even though the Jew has not yet defaulted yet on his loan, because of the fact that he said, Me'achshav, it's considered as if it is the non-Jew's chametz, and therefore there'll be no issue of chametz of Pesach. However, the lo amalei me'achshav, the other, the other case, right, where we're talking about the Brisa, right, our Mishnah is a case where he said Ma'achshav. The Brisa, where we, where we learn the idea that a Jew's uh, collateral, right, is never owned by a non-Jew, is when he doesn't say Ma'achshav. When he doesn't say Ma'achshav, then of course the non-Jew will have no claim to it, okay? And now we're going to bring support to this distinction as follows. Uminah Temra. And where could we learn the Shani Le Ben Hecha Damar Meachshav and Hecha Delamar Meachshav? Where do we learn this distinction between when he said Meachshav and not that we just mentioned? The Tanya. Because we learn in the following Brisa. Nachwisha here hin pas purni at Salisral. You have a Gentile, he's depositing a loaf of bread um, with the Jew as collateral. Eina Oiver. The Jew is not violating Chametzan Pesach. That's amazing. What do you mean? He's holding on to a collateral. That's chametz. How is he not violating anything? But if the non-Jew says, it is yours, then the Jew does violate. Over. So we say, it has to be, of course, the case of, that, of this particular price is backwards where the guy is giving the chametz. But be that as it may, it must be that in that case he said, You must say that that case Right, the only way to explain that particular brisa is where Me'achshav was in fact employed, and therefore this idea of Me'achshav is supported by the brisa. And now the world is back on its axis, and everything makes sense. Shmamina, yes, we can learn from that that there is such a distinction. And so you learn something uh, about Me'achshav here in our page. Okay, so now we're in the middle of the page. Taner um an unrelated, uh, well, related, but a, a new topic. Chanos shel Yisrael umblai shel Yisrael. In Israel, when you say something is in stock, we say it's bamlai. It is in stock, right? So what's going on here? So you have a Jewish store, right? And it's stocked with the merchandise that the Jew owns. And who are the workers? The workers are the non-Jews over there. So So you find random chametz and you don't know, is it from the workers or is it from the storehouse or from the Jews' stuff? So we say, we're going to assume that whoever owns the store and whoever's merchandise, that is, that is the more prevalent merchandise, and therefore we have to assume that it's Jewish owned, and therefore it's going to be also, it's going to be treated like Chamesh Yavallah Pesach, Vein certainly it's going to be also Barna, certainly it's going to be also Barachila, but the converse is also true. In other words, whoever owns the store and whoever merchandise it is, is it's going to be overwhelmingly uh, assumed that it's not the lunch, the, the lunch that the workers packed that is laying around, but rather the merchandise that they stocked. So again, the converse is also true. If the store is owned by a Nachri, and the merchandise belongs to Nachri, and in that case, the Jewish, uh, the, the workers are the Jews. So then, if you find random chametz, you didn't know what the source is, you can assume that it's okay. And it takes the whole converse all the way back, um, the logic backwards and forwards here, like a palindrome, where that if it's mutter b'achila, certainly it's going to be mutter b'hana, which is to say it's assumed that this chametz is the merchandise of the nachri. 
because he was the store owner and it was his merchandise. Next, Mishnah. We know that sometimes you can't really access your chametz, right? You have chametz and it's behind something, it's behind a ruin, it's somewhere where it's not accessible. Well, if it's not accessible, then you're, then you're not going to have to do right badika because you can't even get to it. So what happens if you have chametz and a, and a ruin collapsed on it? So do you have to access it or not? At what point do you have to dig for it? So in principle, says the Mishnah, harehu kimivuar. In principle, it's considered as if it's completely mivuar. It's right, you did badika, you did everything, and you got rid of it. It's as if it doesn't exist. However, Rabbi Shimon ben Gamliel qualifies it and says, Oimer, kol she'en hakelev yochal lechapes acharov. There he is, the dog. Um, if the dog can't, right, um, reach it, so then it's going to be okay. But if the dog can reach it, then the dog will reach it. You could almost be sure that Birnbaum's dog, Poppy, is going to go and get that chametz and then it's going to be laying around. So therefore, the qualification or, right, um, in order to be considered totally inaccessible is whether a dog can reach it or not. Ask the Gemara, Amar of Chista, it's Why not mice? Mice can go The thing about a dog is that it's a retriever by nature, some dogs, and it's going to take it out and then you're going to have to deal with the bread. The mice is going to keep it for themselves, Goranowitz. The return of Goranowitz. Okay, Rav Chista is going to point, make a very important point. Right, that certainly um, you, can, you can treat it as if Bidika, let's say, took place, but not Bittal, right? You have to still do the act of Bittal. Why? Because as Rashi explains, it might become uncovered, right? And certainly you don't want that to happen. And so Bidika has been done, uh, in essence, by the fact that the, right, by, by this avalanche, on top of the chametz, but the bit, the bitl you still have to do. Okay. Now let's do parameters here for Shimon Gamliel. He talks about the dog, right, Goranowitz? So the question is, how deep does it have to be for a dog to not retrieve it? Says the Brisa, Tana. We learn in the Brisa, Kama Chafisas Hakelev. How deep is this burial? Shloshat Fachim. So now we have a shear. Shloshat Fachim deep or more, it's okay. However, the Gemara asks, Unbelievable, I don't think this would be true today, but if I was watching your money, Barry, uh, in order to be considered a, a proper Shomer, I would have to bury it in the ground. That Because if, let's say, I left it out, or I left it in the cupboard, and God forbid somebody came and stole it, it would be my, as a shomer, as a guardian of your money, it would be my responsibility because I did not do my due diligence to guard your money because I simply put it in the cupboard unguarded. So these are halachas in shomerim here, okay? That is a brisa, right? So we're getting familiar here uh, with halachas of shomerim. If I did not bury your money, uh, then, it's, then it's going to be considered as if I didn't do my due diligence and I'll be responsible. In order to properly watch your money, I have to bury it. I don't know if we do that today. We have safes now. Anyways, so that's the only time I'm considered to be a good enough shomer for your money. So the case there asks the Gemara, So just like we have in our Mishnah with regards to chametz, that it needs to be three tvachim in the ground, do we also have to bury this money when we're watching it for somebody else, three tvachim in the ground? Answers the Gemara, Now the reason why chametz needs to go three tvachim deep is because chametz has an aroma. The, the name of the cafe in Israel. It has an odor that the right dog is going to sense. And therefore it has to be even deeper. 
However, money doesn't smell that way. The whole, so it's two different physical realities. The physical reality of food is that it has an odor and therefore needs to be buried three trachim deep. The physical reality of money is that we just don't want it to be seen. Once it's concealed in the ground, nobody knows that it's there, and that's the whole point. So therefore, the depth doesn't have to be three trachim. It can be only one tefach. Says the Gemara, it, I gave it away. It doesn't require full three trachim. V'chama asks the Gemara, how deep does it have to be? Amar Rafram Bar Papa, Misichra, Rafram Bar Papa turns out lived in Sichra, and his answer was Tefach. It has to be a Tefach deep. Unfortunately, Rabari Leibowitz, uh, the great Dafyomi master, had to point out uh, different nafkaminas over here for burial, the human burial, the Holocaust, all, all, all the kinds of tragic things. The question is, how deep is, is burial? Is considered buried? Not for now, but this is uh, the burial Mishnah. Okay. Next Mishnah, uh, Kalman, I hope you made it this far because Kalman is, um, is in a, a sort of a quarantine situation, but he loves Truma, so we're going to get to Truma. And in um, an introduction to this, we have to explain that not only, Andrew, I, I've been meaning to tell you this, not only are you not allowed to eat Truma because you're in Israel, and, and really one of the best Israeli that, of Israel that we have, but an Israel nonetheless, you're not allowed to eat Truma. Now, when you eat, if you were to inadvertently, and of course you would never do it on purpose, so if you inadvertently ate the truma that you set aside for a coin, not only is that a violation, but also you now are like, it's as if you stole it from the coin. You owe him money. Not only that, but the Pusik mentions, you owe him chomish. You owe him uh, a knas, right? There's a surcharge for that. 25, it, chomish happens to sound like 20%, but it's 25% added on for total aggregate of, of, of 20% once you've paid it. Okay, so a person who eats truma by accident has to pay the coin an extra chomish. Now, it's be- that's because it's, it's, why would you have to pay a chomish? Well, what is that reminiscent of? When somebody steals something, chas v'shalom, and then he returns it, heishif is akzela, pays back as a chomish. So here, it's as if you stole something from the coin, and now you have to pay him back with a chomish. Interesting question. What if said truma was chomish? And the time of the inadvertent eating was Pesach. Well, the Kohen would not be able to eat this chametz truma on Pesach. So did you steal something of value from him or not? This is going to be the topic of Lamed Bez. This, is, this takes us into questions of, well, if you ate it b'mezid, issues of kimla b'dirabimine, right? You're not allowed to eat chametz on Pesach, obviously. Does that Avera overshadow the Avera of stealing the truma? Um, a lot of other topics, as we'll see, a bunch of moving parts that makes this so incredibly interesting. Um, but let's first start with the Mishnah as, a ba- as the backdrop. So you have an Israel, he's not supposed to be eat- eating Truma. He's certainly not supposed to be eating Chametz because it's Pesach. And he's doing this all on Beshogeg. The question is, is the Chametz Beshogeg or not? The Gemara will address it. But the eating of the Truma was certainly, he did not realize that that's what he was doing. That was a shogeg. Okay. Mishalom, Karen v'chomesh. So amazingly, the Mishnah says, you do have to pay the Karen v'chomesh to the Kohen. Okay. B'mezid. However, if he eats the truma deliberately, then patr metashlumim umidmei eitzim. Not only does he not have to pay back for the principle of the amount that he ate of the truma, but also he doesn't have to repay the, the value the may eats him is how much, let's say you can't eat the truma, but let's say you used it as firewood. 
So it still has some value, but he's potter from that as well. The, let's go into the Gemara so we can see exactly what this case is. The Mishnah here is very bare bones. The Gemara has to really flesh it out. So without further ado, Tnan Hasam, two lines up from Lamede Olivam Bay's the bottom. Tnan Hasam. We learned in the Mishnah there. Where's this Mishnah? Trumos. Because we're talking about Trumos. Person eats Truma, as we, the Mishnah says, Bishogig. He has to pay the Karen Bachomish. Echad ha'ochel, echad ha'shose, as we arrive at Lamed Bezim with Aleph, ve'echad ha'sach, right? This is talking about any form of hana, eating, drinking, right? Anointing yourself with it, it's going to be Aser. Echad truma tamea, ve'echad truma tahora. Interestingly enough, whether it is tame or tahor, Mishalem Chomish. Now it's interesting, right? Because truma tamea is. So is, the coin is not going to eat the truma to me, but we'll see why he has to do so. So be that as it may, the mission says in truma that you have to pay your chomesh. We'll see the scriptural source for this. Which is just another detail, which is that if this person was so out of it that not only did he uh, eat the, the truma, but he also ate the additional chomesh that he was supposed to pay back, so then he has to pay chomesh on that. Okay, and... And, and then, and then maybe a chomish on that, as Birmam says, at sof Okay, so you're gonna to have to pay the chom- you're gonna to have to pay a chomish if you ate the chomish as well. Fine. So now, so, so far all we said is that you have to pay with chomish if you consume the truma bishogig. But the Gemara asks, ibailahu, kshihu mishalem, lefi mida mishalem, or lefi damim mishalem. This is going to be really the essential question that's going to be the backdrop of a lot of our analysis. When you repay a chomish, are you pay, are you, Repaying according to volume consumed or monetary value. What's the difference? Let's see. Says the Gemara. So the Gemara says, first of all, let's qualify this question. Any time, right, that you, let's say you had, you consumed this truma, Right, uh, take it, you know, don't get, don't let the fact that it's truma, uh, psych you out, or if you're common, don't let it psych you in. The, the issue here is simply a monetary issue. You consumed something, right now we're just treating it like regular theft, right? You consumed something that was four zuzim in value, and then it devalued for whatever reason. There was a, there's a, there's a crash, and it devalued. So certainly, when that, when that's the case, the vada di makar dumim. You're certainly not going to only pay back a zuz. Again, when you consumed it, it was worth four zuzim. When you're paying it back by some, um, for some reason, it was so devalued that the same amount of truma was devalued to one zuz. You, at the time, however, caused the owner or the Cohen, as it were in this case, to lose four zuzim. You're certainly not going to give him back less than that. Okay. Cause that was the actual right damage that you caused him. As the Gemara says, the logara mi gazlan. Because certainly a gazlan, we know, we're going to see, as the Gemara is going to say over here, from the Mishnah in Bavakama, we know that the gazlanim, right, we may as well read it inside, the Tznan, like we learned in the Mishnah of Bavakamim, call ha gazlanim mishalim kishasa gazela. Anytime somebody steals something, he never pays back less than how much he, right, damaged, uh, the owner at the time of the theft. He never pays less than that. That's going to be the minimum, right? Okay, so therefore we're never we're not going to say the person who eats truma is going to pay less than a goslin, like an like a like a straight up goslin is the baseline. Okay, so So therefore, the question of whether it was value or volume is never going to be uh, determined that you end up paying less than the original value at the time of the theft. But rather, says the Gemara, When is this case? Oh, so if at the time of the theft, 
right? The converse case. At the time of the theft, it was worth only a zuz. And then now you, when you're looking to get, uh, to pay back, there was an appreciation of this item. And now you'd have to pay back four zuz to compensate for the zuz that you took. My. So in that case, what is the halacha? Lefimida mishalem? Yeah, yeah, we're talking, yeah, it sounds like we're talking stocks here. Lefimida mishalem? Do you inadvertently, um, Right? So, so do you pay according to the volume that you consumed? And therefore, if you pay according to the volume you consumed, you're going to be paying a lot more. The Amale griva achal griva mishalim, right? The griva is a particular measure. So you say that amount, right? You ate, you ate a meter, you ate a pound and you have to pay back a pound. Well, it's, it used to be a dollar pound. Now it's four dollars a pound. So do we say that doesn't matter? A pound is a pound. You have to pay back, uh, the four dollars. Odil dummy mishalim. Or you could say, listen, you only ate a dollar's worth of truma, and therefore bezuzah achal bezuzah misham says the Gemara. And therefore, if all you ate was a dollar's worth, then so all you have to give him back is a dollar's worth now, because at the end of the day, he only lost a dollar. The fact that it appreciated is that the Goslin's problem. So maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So that's the question: Do you go based on the volume, or do you go based on the value? Okay. So eventually, what does it have to do with anything? We're going to circle this back to our Mishnah, and we're going to bring it as a data point to address this issue. But first, we're going to get a little deeper into it. Amar Rabbi Yosef, Tashma. Let's, let's try to resolve that issue from the following Brisa. So he said, the Brisa says, if a person ate grogros, which is pretty cheap, dried figs, and then he paid back with juicy dates, which are more valuable, that's a beautiful thing to do. Wow. It's beautiful to be able to compensate somebody um, in a more magnanimous way than what you took, right? Like, let's say I borrow something from you and I give it back like in better condition than it was, okay. So people want what they got. They they like what they have. They don't care about the thing. uh, So that's interesting. But be that as it may, at least from the perspective of the person that returned it, he was doing, he, he did it with a full and magnanimous heart. And that's why, right, the Brisa says, we're going to bless this guy. But the Gemara says, to say that you're going to, right, praise this guy only makes sense if he's giving back the same volume. After all, if he's giving back the same value, then he didn't really do anything magnanimous at all. He just didn't have grogress to return. So he gave it back the value in figs. But if he gave back the same volume, well, those dates are going to be more valuable. And therefore, that's why we praise him. That's what... Yeah, that's what it says. I can understand. This sounds like, in other words, the Gemara is saying this price sounds like you pay back volume because if you pay back volume, that's why you're giving him a bracha because he gave back something more valuable than he got, than he took. He ate, right, a pound of grogros, which only worth a dollar, and he gave back a pound of tamarim, which are worth four dollars. What a nice guy. But if you say that the payback is just monetary, so I bracha. Why are we praising this guy? He ate a dollar's worth and he gave back a dollar's worth. So why are we making such a big deal of this guy? So Abaya says it's not really a proof. No, you could still say that he gave back the same amount that he ate. But rather, but why are we still praising him? means something that is, um, that is desirable in the marketplace. In other words, even if you eat a pound of whatever, right? So like you have something that not, that people don't normally like, right? So you ate whatever, you, you took, you took something people don't normally like, but it's worth a dollar and you gave it back and you gave back something people love. 
that's worth a dollar. So then that is actually still, even though it's the same monetary value, says Abaye, it is still um, a nice thing to do because you gave back something that's more readily sellable or more desirable, even though it's the same monetary value. It is enough to uh, get a bracha just for that. Okay. So, right, like you stole an Android, you gave back a, an iPhone of the same value. I don't know. There's some people are very touchy about this. Okay. Tanan. Okay, so now we learn, so now we get back to our Mishnah, and we're gonna see, does that, our Mishnah teach this, uh, have any reflection on this idea of volume versus value? Let's see. We said, We said that if a person, right, this is our, straight up our Mishnah, a person ate Truma that was Chametz on Pesach, so he has to give back Karen Bechomish. So we say, wait a minute, the Truma's Chametz, say it outside first, is valueless, right? Because you can't eat it at the time. So it doesn't even have any value. So if you're paying back Karen Vachomish, it must be that we're not looking at the value, but at, rather we're looking at the volume. That's what our Gemara is going to say. We say, Right? If you're saying that you pay back volume and not value, then it makes sense that you have to pay Karen Vachomish. Because after all, you did take this volume. But if you're going to say that you pay back the monetary value, so Chomish Pesach has no monetary value. It's Aser Bahana, it's Aser everything. So Gemara says, in, no, it could still be referring to Chametz on Pesach. Why? Hamani Rabbi Yossi Unbelievable. Our Mishnah, perhaps, when it says that you have to pay back Karen Vachomish for Truma of Chametz on Pesach, is according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili, and Rabbi Yossi Aglili has an outlier shita that nobody holds like, but our Mishnah is quoting him. What's that shita? The Amar Chametz Bepesach Mutter Behana. Did you know that? I mean, we had all the psukim that said Bepesach is also Bahana. But Yossi Aglili doesn't hold of that limud. Amazingly, we already learned this, by the way. So Yossi Aglili, Yossi Aglili holds that Chametz Bepesach is Mutter Bahana. So therefore, once you say that it's Mutter Bahana, then even though you can't eat it, you can get some value out of it. And therefore, when we say we pay back Karen Bechomish of Chametz and Pesach, it may not be just purely because we're paying back volume. It might be that we're also paying back value. The Gemara says, You know, in the Seifa, right, we said that if the person ate the Chametz on Bemezid, that he's putter from paying back anything. Well, if it has value and we hold like Rabbi Yossi why is he putter if he ate Bemezid? Says the Gemara. Well, I'm just saying what the Gemara says now. So says the Gemara answers, Wow, now it feels like we're learning Ksubis. Or Yeshiva Shemesechta is no bad. Rabbi Nechunya ben Akana. Rabbi Nechunya ben Akana says the following. The Tanya. We'll say the Bryce and we'll explain it a little bit. This is a Kimla de Rabbinay idea. The Tanya. Rabbi Nechunya ben Akana. Haya oises yom ekipurim keshabes letash lumen. I'll say, I'll explain what this means. We know that you have this idea of Kimle Bidarabamine. Okay, so if a person violated, God forbid, an Isser on Shabbos while at the same time destroying his friend's stuff, the Chiv Skil of Shabbos overwhelms the Chiv Mamon of the damage, and he doesn't have to pay the money, right? So, like, if you, whatever. So, 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 right? So, if you burn something on, you burn somebody's shirt on Shabbos, right? You don't have to pay for the shirt because you're going to be burned also. Skila, whatever, you're, because, because of the chiv of Misa that you have. Oh. Rabbi Nechunim has the following chiddush, that that does not only apply to Shabbos, but it, only, but it also applies to Yom Kippur. Now in Yom Kippur, right, that's what we say over here, 
What that means is that just like Shabbos overwhelms Tashlumim, Yom Kippur also overwhelms Tashlumim. Now, Yom Kippur is a Chiv Kares. It's not the same Chiv Misa as Shabbos. Yom Kippur is a Chiv Kares. So the, the, the lesson that you learn from the Chunyu Ben Akana is that when you violate a Chiv Kares, you also don't have to pay the monetary value. That is relevant to our Mishnah. Because even if you hold like Rabbi Yosef Aglili, that the Chametz has monetary value. The safe of our Mishnah is discussing an individual Chalila ate Chametz bePesach bemezid. If you ate the Chametz on Pesach bemezid, you have incurred a chiyuv kares, which means that according to Nechunya ben Akana, you don't have to pay, and that's why you don't have to pay the damim to the original owner. And so, in order to understand the safe of our Mishnah, you could. Um, bring in Rabbi Yosef Aglila and say that it does have monetary value and then knock out that chiv to repay the monetary value in the seifa by invoking Rav Nechunya ben Akana's din that even the chiv karis of eating chametz on Pesach is going to overwhelm that monetary value and therefore you do not have to pay it based on the principle of kimle b'dirabah minei. Wow. Uh, we're, we're, we're doing like a breakneck roller coaster ride through Shas now. Okay. So now, it could be, now, the, just to see where we're leaving off here, 13 lines down in the wide, we're talking now about how this could, right, we just said, we could preserve the Mishnah within the position of Yossi Aglili. Okay, so let's get back to volume versus value as follows. Kitznai. This idea of whether volume versus val, uh, value is actually Machlokas Tanaim, and we're going to see Machlokas Tanaim is very similar as follows. Ha'ochel, this is the Brisa. You're eating trumas chametz bepesach. Okay, Diver Rabbi Akiva. Oh, there he is. He has an opinion about this. Rabbi Akiva says you're potter for paying. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri mechayev, and Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri says you're chayev. Machlokas tanaim. So I'm like Rabbi Akiva, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri. Vichimana yesh laba. Wait a minute. Why are you chayev? This is this is aser b'hana. You have eaten something of no value. Rabbi Yochanan Benuri explains back to Rabbi Akiva, wait a minute. We know that the halacha is that if, if you, uh, right, just like we refer to that Mishnah and Trumas, right, that if an Israel eats the Truma that he was supposed to give to the Kohen, that he pays Karen Vachomish. Well, we said that the halacha is, and everybody agrees, that that would be true whether that truma is tame or tahor. Wow. That would be true whether it's tame or tahor. Okay. And so the question that Rev. Yochanan Minuri is posing to Rabbi Kiva is, well, tame truma is of no use, so you can't eat that. And so the fact that you have to pay back for tame truma should Indicate that you should also have to pay back for truma that was chametz on Pesach. Both of them are similar to each other in that they can't—they're inedible. And yet, still, we see by the tummy that you pay. So, therefore, you should have to pay by the chametz as well. However, Rabbi Kiva points out there's a very big distinction between them. Amalo, Rabbi Kiva answered, "Lo im amert b'truma tamei b'shari moshashana shafal pisha ein lo b'heter achila yesh lo b'heter hasaka." Are you going to compare truma tamei to chametz? I mean, truma tamei. True, you can't eat it, but at least you could use it as firewood, which means it has some value. You're going to compare that to chametz? After all, chametz, you not only can you not eat it, you can't even use it to burn. You can't have any anah from the chametz altogether. And so you're comparing truma tamer, which has some value, to chametz that has no value at all. You can't do that. That's not a proof 
Shema Tamei isn't a proof. The reason I say, says Rabbi Kiva, that you don't have to pay back anything for, for consuming this chametz on Pesach is because it is totally valueless. It can't even be used for firewood as fuel. So, continues Rabbi Kiva, rather a better comp is not Shema Tamei, but rather to the grapes and berries that become Tamei. Truma, right, applies to grapes and berries as well. However, there's a special halacha that you may not have known. Mulberries. Yeah, mulberries, thank you. There's a special halacha uh, that on berries that you're not allowed to, as the Gemara here says, There is a special gezerah that you're not allowed to get any, you're not allowed to use mulberries and grapes as firewood. Why? Because they're too juicy. They're not good as firewood. You're going to try to start a fire. You're going to see that it's not working because of the high water content of these berries. And you're going to say it's no use. And you know what you're going to do in a moment of, um, in a moment of weakness? You're going to turn these mulberries into a smoothie and you're going to end up drinking it or eating it. So they said these mulberries and these grapes are off limits. Um, for hasaka, for firewood, and therefore the, the special gazer, and that's why Rabbi Kiva says that these berries are in fact more comparable to chametz on Pesach because we have a gazer by these berries that they in fact cannot be used not for eating or for firewood because of the special gazera. And in fact, the halacha is that if somebody ate them inadvertently, they don't have to pay back the coin because they were in fact not usable. So that's a perfect comparison. And that's what Rabbi Kiva is saying back. So therefore, so that's what Rabbi Kiva's answer is, okay? Uh, and aside here, it, the Gemara says, is, um, What's going on here? What The Gemara is just pointing out, what is this case where the truma can be chametz? Just as an aside, when you're talking about truma being chametz, at what point did it become chametz? It must be that he separated the truma, and at the time they separated, it was not yet chametz, and then all of a sudden the dough rose and it became chametz. Avamafesh truma's chametz, but if during Pesach you separated truma from something that was already chametz, that's not going to work anyway. <laughs> so that's an important aside. Like, right, you can't walk out of here thinking that this is something that became chametz on Pesach. Because why? Because we just have, as an aside, this idea that you can't be mafresh chametz on Pesach, even according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili. Because, because truma, right, chametz can't be consecrated. You can't, you can't put kedusha on something that is usher on Pesach anyway. On chametz, it's usher on Pesach anyway. Anyway, that's an aside. The point is, um, uh, all of a sudden we chose this moment, right, to point out that our Mishnah that's talking about truma's chametz on Pesach, has to be talking about this very specific case where the truma itself became chametz only after the separation because separation can't be take, take place on chametz altogether. Okay. So now, another b'risa, going back to the uh, chametz truma. Tanya idach, another b'risa. V'nasan l'koin es ha-kodesh, kodesh. Okay, now we're, getting, now we're getting granular here. We're getting into the pasuk. This pasuk, right, is going to be um, analyze now, right? And it's going to, we're going to, off of the psukim, we're going to determine whether we're talking about volume or value, actually. I may as well read the Pasuk in Vayikra here. V'ish ki ochal kodesh bishgaga. This is clearly our case, right? Says the Pasuk in the Torah. A person who eats the kodesh bishogeg, as we said. V'yosef chamishi so alav. See, you see, we're not making it up, this idea of a chomesh. It's in fact straight up in the psukim. And then it says, 
So again, these are, this is going to be the two parts of the psukim that we're going to focus on. Ishki yochal kodesh bishkaga. First of all, he's eating it. That's important. And then he, and then he has to pay the chomesh, and it says v'nason la kohen es hakodesh, and he has to give it to the kohen. So one uh, source is going to one position is going to be focusing on this ki yochal that the person ate it, and the other one is going to be focusing on the end of that same pasuk that says v'nason that he gives to the kohen. Let's see, let's see it inside now. Tanya Eidah, here's the price of Vinasan Lakoinas Akodesh. You have to repay for eating the Truma inadvertently, says the Gemara. Dover Haroilios Kodesh. Prad la ochel Trumas Chomets Bepesach. Shepatrim in the Tashlumim, Umidme Eitzim. So the first position is that the structure of the Pasuk teaches you that in order to have to repay, it has to be something that's fit to be holy, which is the same thing. It has to have the same status. What you are repaying has to have the same status as what you ate. So that says, right, we're going to see, this is Rebbe Eliezer ben Yaakov. That, Rebbe Eliezer ben Yaakov says, is to exclude, right, the idea of Tomei Truma, or, uh, I'm sorry, of, of Truma's Chametz, right? The Ron discusses the subtle difference here between Truma's Tomeya and Truma's Chametz, because after all, we said Truma Tomeya, you do have to re- repay. Um, but in our case over here, in this price, we're talking about Truma's Chametz. If it's Chametz, then you don't have to pay. Because after all, you cannot pay something that is fit to be holy, right? Something that's fit to be Kodesh, you cannot pay. And therefore, a person who's Ochel Trumas Chametz is potter from repaying. That's Divir Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov. However, Rabbi Lazar Chisma Mechaye, Rabbi Lazar Chisma says that you do have to pay. So, wait a minute. Why do you have to repay? Similar to the conversation that Rabbi Kiva had over here, Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov is saying, what hana is there in chametz trumas chametz on Pesach? Amal or Rilazo Chisma or Rilazo Yaakov, Hana Yeshul Ochel Truma Tamea, Bishar Yimos Hashanah Shemeshalim. So Rabbi Lazar Chisma answered similarly to what we learned before. These kinds of exchanges are sort of dafiomi gold because we are just repeating it again. So you go a little bit faster. So he said, so, so, so Rabbi Chisma says to Rilazo Yaakov, what is Right, Truma Tamea, we know you have to pay back. So why, so, so, so therefore, and that is also not edible. So this, we already know where this is going. Same exact this, uh, kind of discussion. So Amar Lo, Sir Bin Yaakov answered, Lo, Im Amrit Be Truma Tamea, Bishar Yimos Hashanah, Sha'af Al Pi, She'ein Lo Bahetar Achila, Yish Lo Bahetar Asaka, Torah Bezu, She'ein Lo Bahetar Achila, Lo Bahetar Asaka, the same question that Rabbi Kiva asked. You're going to compare Truma Tamea that can be used as fuel to Chametz that can't even be used as fuel? So Amalo, Afbizu Yeshloba Hetaharsaka. So Rabbi Lazar bin Chisma explained, right, that the coin does have some Hetaharsaka. Why? Shim Ratzaha Koin Maritzalifne Kalbo Omasika Tachas Tavshilo. Whoa, the coin can use this chametz apparently to what? To place it in front of his dog to eat or to burn it, to use it as firewood. Is that really true? So let's see. That sounds like it would only go according to Rabbi Yossi Aglili. So as we turn to Lambez and Bez, we see the Gemara is going to conclude as follows. Amar Baye, Rabbi Yazar ben Yaakov, Rabbi Kiva, Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri, all of these, Tanaim, we'll see why he leaves out, uh, um, right, why he doesn't mention all of them, but be that as it may, they all hold the same thing, which is what? Kula Svir Luchamitz Pesach Asr Bahanah. You can't have, you can't say, right, because this last phrase made it sound like he holds like a Rabbi Yossi Haglili that, that it's mutter bahana, 
right? Because he just said that you can give it to your dog or you can use it as firewood. So Abaye explained, no, 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 no. That is Rabbi Yosef Yaglili. He's off on an island. That's a Shitas Yachid. Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov and Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri and Rabbi Kiva, nobody holds like that. They all hold Chametz Pesach is totally Yosef Ba'ana. So then therefore, what's the Machlokas with this firewood? Uvehapligi. This is the Machlokas. Rabbi Kiva savar lefi dami mishalem. Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri savar lefi mida mishalem. So we say that in fact, the Machlokas would just simply be whether you pay ver, ver, uh, volume, payback volume versus value. And therefore, if you pay back by volume, then even if the thing is completely worthless, you still has a volume, right? It has a physical volume to it. And that is the only reason why you'd have to pay back. So says the Gemara, Pshita, why does Abai have to point this out? Because you might have thought, Maybe Rabbi Yochanan Benuri held that you have to pay according to Damim. You might have thought the reason Rabbi Yochanan Benuri is Mechaev because he held like Rabbi Yosei Aglili. Because he thought, right, who holds, famously, the Chametz is Mutter Kamash Malan. Abai has to set the record straight and said that Rabbi Yochanan Benuri does not hold like Rabbi Yossi Aglili, but rather it is based on this volume versus value um, issue. The Gemara asks, wait, maybe it's true that Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri holds like Rabbi Yossi Aglili. How do we know that it's a volume versus value issue? The Gemara answers, Im kein, Rabbi Yochanan Ben-Nuri, Rabbi Kiva, ki echidim hadele Rabbi Lazar Chisma, Rabbi Lazar Ben-Yakov. Remember, before when Rabbi Lazar Chisma, Rabbi Lazar Ben-Yakov right, answered, he said that, we, we said that maybe the answer is that he's allowed to have Hana from Chametz. And certainly, if that would have been Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri's shita, then that simply would have been his answer. From the fact that Rabbi Yochanan ben Nuri does not say that, we infer that it, it, that he does not hold her like Rabbi Yosei Aglili, and simply it's a volume versus value issue. Twelve, two dots, twelve lines down. Lamed Beis and Beis, talking about the minimum shear now that you have to eat of truma in order to be chayev chomish. Taner what's the minimum shear? Now we're going to get into that pasuk. Ha'ochel kezayis truma mishalim karen v'chomish. That we saw. We saw it inside in the Torah. However, there's a machlokas as to what the minimum shear is to incur this chomish penalty. Right? The Tanakhama says it has to be a kazayas. Abashol says it has to be a shavapruta. I think a shavapruta probably is less. Right? Because that's like the minimum amount of payment. Okay? So it says the Gemara, my time at the Tanakhama, Amar Kra. The Tanakama is based on the Pasuk. The Ish Ki Yochal Kodesh Bishgaga. We read the Pasuk. A person Ki Yochal, the Achila Bekazais. We see it all over the Torah that anytime you have an Isra Achila, it's Bekazais. So that's why the Chiyav for the Chomesh, which is described in the Pasuk, uses the word Achila. And therefore, we have to assume that, it, that the minimum shear for this Chomesh is a Kazais. However, Abishal looks at the end of the Pasuk, as we mentioned. Abishal, my Taima, what's the reason? Amar Krav and Nasan. Venusan is always referring to some monetary transaction. The minimum shear for a monetary transaction is a, is a pruta, right? It says the Gemara, a monetary transaction is from the Sinapakhmishava pruta. So the Gemara now explains, so how are these Tanaim going to resolve each other's references, right? It says Yochal and it says Venusan. So why did they pick one or the other? Let's see. It says the Gemara, right? The Pasuk of Ayochal is trying to exclude a person whose damages, um, uh, right, exclude a Pater Chomesh, a person who has less than a Kazais. In other words, he's saying that, yeah, you have to be Chayef, it's true, but you can't not be Chayef unless you have uh, less than, uh, as much as a Kazais. 
Okay, even Tanakama Haksivinasan, but Tanakama has to deal with the fact so that makes more sense because that's a larger shear. But how does the Tanakama make uh, reconcile the fact that it says Vinasan, which is the small shear of Shavapruto? So the Gemara answers Ahu Mi Leos Kodesh. That's a separate idea. That you have to, this is the idea we said before, that you have to repay with something that can become Kodesh. That's, remember, you might recall, uh, what we said a few minutes ago, is how we know that you can't repay back with Chametz, of Trumas Chametz on Pesach. So now we're at the two dots in the middle of the page, Tanar Banner, we have a few minutes. Let's make them count. Tanar Banner. Interesting hybrid cheetah. If you eat less than a Kazais, you have to repay the principal as any Gazan would, right? Because you did, in fact, Right, do that damage, but you're not chayiv chomish. So that sounds like right, like abashal um, that you only have to pay um, when when it's. I'm sorry, it sounds like the Tanakama that says that you only have to pay once you've eaten a kazayis. The Gemara asks, dami, what's this case? Right, if it was less than a shavu pruta, then certainly you don't have to pay karen or the chomish because that's not considered significant. If you hold. Right, like Abishal, certainly, then if it's Shavar Pruta, then you also have to pay the right homage. The Gemara explains, though, the Olam, the Ispe Shavar Pruta, the Afilu Hachi, came with the Lesley Kazayas, Mishalam is a Karen, Vayenu Mishalam is a Chomish. Right, so the Gemara is saying, no, actually, the Bryas is talking about the case where you ate Shavar Pruta, and still you don't have to pay the Chomish because you didn't eat a Kazayas. That sounds like the Tanakama. So the Gemara is going to say, no, Amra Rabban Kameder of Papa, this was learned in front of Papa, and we say, Hadalok Abashol, and, and right, and it made it sound like Abashol, who says that, that as long as, that once it's a Shavapruta, you have to pay Chomesh, sounds like this Brysa knocks him out, because Abashol was the one that says that once it's a Shavapruta, you have to pay Chomesh, and this Brysa makes it sound like you don't pay Chomesh unless you've eaten a Kazais. So, right, it's the eek, Abishol, Ha'amar, Kevin, Shesh, Shavar Pruta, Alpha Gav, the lace, Bay, Kazais, right? Abishol's Shita was as long as that it was a Shavar Pruta, you'd have to pay Chomish. So, Amar Lu, Rav Papa, this is since Brachos, we've been talking about Rav Papa, he was the peacemaker, right? This is one of the 11 spots in Shas where he tries to reconcile. He says, Afilu Tema Abishol, that's why we mentioned him at all the Siyumim. Afilu Tema Abishol, Abishol, Tarte, Bay. Abishol, actually, even if you hold like him, that you need a Shavapruta, it's actually that, not that he holds that it needs to be a Shavapruta and not a Kazais, it's because he holds both, Tarte Bai, that it has to be a Kazais and a Shavapruta. However, we refute Rav Papa here, when we buy Abishol Tarte, does he really need both a Kazais and a Shavapruta? V'hatanya, Abishol Omer, es sheyesh bo Shavapruta chayib b'tashlumim, es sheyin bo Shavapruta, eno chayib b'tashlumim. Wow, Abishol explicitly said that it's not chayib b'tashlumim unless it's a Shavapruta, and Amr lo, so, the, so when Abishol uh, said this, the Rabbanan and the base Medish said to him, wait a minute, that's true with regards to paying back Me'ila. But how about Truma? The idea of Truma has the Pasuk, as we said, of Chomesh. And that you shouldn't be chayv until you eat a Kazayas. Right, Abishol? V'im Isa. Now, if Abishol did in fact require both conditions, in order to pay back Truma of Chomesh, that he would have said so. But why does he say, Kevan Shiyeshbo Kezayis Mibayile? Then the people who talked to him would have raised a different objection. This is just a semantics, in other words. They would have, instead of acknowledge, instead of 
by pointing out that there's no kazais here, they would have acknowledged that there was a kazais here. In other words, Abishal says, right, that you're Enochai So they, instead of saying that there's no kazais here, they would acknowledge that there was. The fact that they said that there was no kazais is a proof that Abishal holds that you do not need a kazais in order to be Chayiv Chomesh. And he sticks, not like where Papa tried to reconcile, but he sticks with the Pasuk of Enosan to say that you're Chayiv Chomesh and Truma only once it's a, a Shavar Pruta. And so we end over here. Here, 13 lines up from the bottom on Lamed Bays, Ahmed Bays.